0: Hello, and welcome to Growth Insights Podcast. This is the first episode under our new brand, Circana. IRI and NPD merged to become Circana, the leading advisor on the complexity of consumer behavior. Through unparalleled technology, advanced analytics, cross industry data, and deep expertise, we provide clarity that helps almost 7,000 of the world's leading brands and retailers take action and unlock business growth. We understand more about the complete consumer, the complete store, and the complete wallet, so our clients can go beyond the data to apply insights, ignite innovation, meet consumer demand, and outpace the competition. I encourage you to learn more by visiting circana.com. Today, I'm joined again by the dynamic duo of Jonna Parker, principal of Circana's Fresh Center of Excellence, and Valued partner Anna Marie Rerink, president of 210 Analytics, for another Fresh Pulse episode. Last month, we really talked about the 2023 outlook, but since then, the biggest topic has been that volumes across the store are down. In fact, across total food and beverage, volume is down 4.3%, and that is not something that we have seen before. The numbers probably look a little bit different in some of those fresh departments. So Anna Marie, I'm going to start with you. Please tell us what's going on in some of the fresh departments and what you're seeing with volume and unit declines.
1: Yeah, thanks, Joan. So I have to admit, when I was running uh, the reports for January, my initial thought was, you know, did people overspend in December? You know, happy to be back together maybe spent a little bit more than they should have. Maybe that's why January still had a lot of impact from food leftovers or packed freezers or people just pulling back because of the holiday spending. Um, but February, February wasn't a whole lot different. And you mentioned the percentage down in units and volume. It's really across most department and it is a scary thing because that is versus year ago. Well year ago the volume and units were down too. So Many departments now are looking at 18 to 24 months in a row of volume and unit pressure, uh, which is not something to my knowledge we have seen um, in decades. So that that said, I think there are some interesting examples where we see that if prices come down, it indeed can lead to an increase in demand. For instance, in seafood, we see very favorable uh, crab and lobster prices. And in return, we see a greater volume sales. Um, in fruit, we see prices down 3% and we see volume holding. But what is happening is that, yes, volume is holding or volume is up, but it's not up to the tune of by which the prices came down. And so we're now actually in negative territory in dollars in those areas, even though our pound sales are up. So it's going to be a tough you know, decision, where are you going to sit on on all things pricing?
0: You know, it's interesting. I was um, with a friend yesterday and again, this is, you know, just the normal conversations that people are having. And it literally, she was very angry. You know, she can afford to buy groceries, but she's so angry by the price increases, the shrinkflation, the literally to borrow from, you know, an Oscar winning movie, everything, everywhere, all at once inflation across the store. So she's not purchasing as much because out of anger.
1: Yeah, no, I I heard it too. I was talking to uh, a lady in DC and same thing. She's well off, but um, I, I think, you know, her literal words were, you know, I'm just not stupid. I just cannot pay that much. Um, now I will say I've seen so much more understanding by consumers as to what is going on. I think the food retail industry has done a tremendous job in communicating on shelf to say, you know, there are supply chain challenges, so we might be out of stock or supply chain challenges is prompting these price increases or avian influenza is causing the price of eggs. And that is not something I had seen in prior years. So I do think this industry has has tried very hard to create that consumer awareness and understanding.
2: I think with that, though, there's a perception and a reality. And I feel like the perception, the longer this goes on, the perception becomes even more entrenched as the reality. I think what we're seeing Yes, you have the year over year gaps that we honestly started to see inflation, even though it wasn't national news. Uh, you know, we started to see it in Q4 of 21. So, yes, in many categories like meat, we're now lapping what was inflation. You know, perishables, I want to say, is o- it, it's only down unit sales by 3%. So we are doing better in the fresh departments from a unit standpoint than center store. But I think this perception coloring all of our behavior, you know, just the last couple of weeks, the national news has been absolutely dominated by the bank collapses out West. And to your point, we tried so hard early in the pandemic to bifurcate and see if there was a difference between those who have, you know, savings versus those who are living paycheck to paycheck. And throughout it, we saw less of that and more kind of generational and and attitudinal Bifurcation. And I think now that even folks are thinking about their 401k, their stock market, you know, we went from the highest stock market returns during the early days of the pandemic. Those were real material savings that people had that now they don't see in their accounts anymore. So even though that's a rainy day or a farther out retirement piece, that's still then when you stand at the store and you see, gosh, this cheese is now $9.99 a pound and sure I'm only getting a quarter of it, but I'm, I'm kind of tired. I've been splurging on that for a long time. I really feel like the concepts, you know, what we talk about in Top Trans and Fresh this last month was the yin and yang of affordable essential, which is what we're all talking about, right? What is essential to a consumer? They know the price of that. And so when they see those prices fluctuate between store, when they see it fluctuate over time, they know that. But to be honest, what is essential to most American households is not just milk butter eggs, right? And so I think the affordable essentials piece and so much of fresh is considered an essential. There are people who know the price of kale at every store that they shop at. There are people who know the price of um, you know, the, the muffins that they're buying instead of Starbucks because they're working from home now. And I think the affordable essentials needs to be understood. But then I also think there's this thing called everyday escape. An everyday escape has been such a part in terms of food of our society over the last few years. And so I think that is why we saw some deli prepared foods. You know, it's an escape for me to cook from scratch. It's an escape from, you know, in the bakery department. An escape could be a small single slice of pie. But this year, you know, we looked at those things and we marveled. Oh, gosh, here's affordable essentials that aren't as elastic as we thought in price. And then here's these everyday escapes. But now that we're in this inflation in the economy, coloring every decision that we make. I really feel like we can't just rely on those. Hey, I'm, you know, I'm escaped. Someone will still splurge on me. This year is going to be really hard to fight for those dollars and those units more so than it's ever been.
0: But I, I see that retailers have done a pretty good job of um, making the right volume available to shoppers who want those small indulgences. And, and even when they don't, and I'll go to the fresh department, take grapes you know i go i show up at the in the produce department and they've got these huge bags of grapes well i just take out the small amount that i want because i don't want the waste i'm i'm not willing yeah. to even gamble with that anymore so i'd rather run out and be like oh i wish i had a few more grapes than having to throw away a couple of grapes that I just didn't get to.
2: You just hit on something that Sally Lyons-Wyatt found in late 22, uh, when she did a deep dive study into SNAP consumers, consumers on government assistance. And then we carried it over and looked at consumers across all of the income brackets. One of Fresh's absolute underrecognized benefits is the ability to control volume. And so one of the insights that we found throughout pandemic era and now well into the inflation is one of the pieces that is so vitally important in the fresh departments is the ability to have multiple sizes. So even in things that are not sold by the counter, the each, like I'm not here to say go put in a ton of bulk bins, but we have found that consumers ability to control the number of pounds that they can buy of something is not only helpful because of the lack of waste, which is it still remains one of the number one inflation fighting ways. Why we're seeing volume and units contract dead honest is people do not want to waste this expensive food. It's not that they don't want to buy it. It's not they don't want to eat it. It's that they don't want to waste it. And then you couple that with fresh. Every fresh department has the ability to buy just enough. And that is something, whether you pre it, you know, the thing I always bring up when folks hear me talk about that and then they immediately think there's going to be a run to the service cases in Delhi. No, one of the perfect storms that hit at the absolute apex of when it was needed is grab and go sliced meats and cheeses. That allows consumers, it's now in every grocery store and super center, and it allows someone to still just buy a quarter of a pound or a half a pound.
0: I was just at the deli the other day and it was the first time I saw signage that said, A quarter pound will make one to two sandwiches, perfect. A third of a pound, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, that's the, it's brilliant because a lot of people just don't know. And, you know, you, you really hit on another thing. And this, again, is going back to my friend who the conversation I had the other day, she said, she's not pantry loading anymore because again, that's where a lot of waste comes from. And she's just not willing to spend the money. Like your friend, Anna-Marie, she's not stupid. <laughs> yeah, right.
1: And then, you know, it's it's a hard thing to fight. And I will say I was looking, I, was, I just finished my Power of Meat speech at the annual meat conference. And somebody in a completely different area of the store had sent me this little TikTok. And it was a random person, have no idea who she is, but it was a very, very short snippet. And this lady said... Um, This is the third grocery trip that I've been on where I have not purchased meat. I guess I'm a vegetarian now, not by choice, but by inflation. And that particular TikTok kind of drove the whole rest of my speech because it is a scary thing to think about that as grocery retailers, we can do everything right. You can do the right marketing, the right merchandising, execute operationally to the T, and yet you did not make that sale simply because people are not in the market to purchase a certain item so i do believe we have to look at smaller packages which is very scary for retailers because we do see that consumers if they have that option might trade down but the in the current environment the choice is vegetarian buy inflation or buy a smaller package because i can't afford that and so I looked across the many, many studies I do, whether that's shop alongs, in store intercepts, interviews, a lot of survey research, and, and really for the power of meat came up with this three legged stool of, of what we need to look at in 2023. And it's affordability, which we've talked about, permissibility. You know, at the end of the day, people still need to feel good about the food that they purchase. Um, but also favorability. I think sometimes in this environment, we forget that, yes, price is important and um, it is all about making sure that people feel good about things with claims like organic, non-GMO, what have you. But that favorability for the love of meat, for the love of fresh produce, for the love of whatever, I think that's something we we can never lose track of. And John, I think that goes to your um, your everyday escape as well. You
2: know, I was just looking at our four week ending data for February and to try to, you know, take a current and and two themes that you just hit on that really show up just in the basic dollars and volume and unit numbers. First off, the word escape can also mean escape from having to cook from scratch. So we are actually seeing for the first time in a while, positive, slightly positive territory for deli prepared meats, you know, the good old rotisserie chicken, but also You know, I think the way that retailers have for decades now, and it's hitting at this moment, pivoted around if the meat is convenient, right, it it quickens the point to plate. And the other things that we keep seeing are really strong perimeter cookies, deli entrees. These are unit increases, by the way. But one of the most interesting pieces, going back to this whole phenomenon about cooking, buying for just what you need so you don't waste, I think really comes in fresh chicken. Now we know throughout the last year that fresh chicken among the proteins did well. But remember, I think I must busted this myth on this podcast before, it wasn't that consumers switched from having a steak or a, a pork loin to a chicken breast. Chicken just became, especially chicken thighs, which obviously are more flavorful as well as low price per pound, it just became more frequent in the options given to people as opposed to stopping buying something else and switching. But what we just saw in the month of February, lapping to February, 2022, was that pounds of chicken are flat, but units are slightly up. So right there in the meat department is that exact measure of don't buy, to freeze buy what you need so we're actually seeing a frequency as well in the meat department by the way trips to any store in the month of february were up versus last year as well which again leads to be now we see that a lot of times we're sitting at our desks and say oh people are switching stores based on price no we're buying what we need when we need it so similar joan to what you saw in the deli department talking about the number of meats per sandwich I also really think a lot about some of the retailers I've been talking to this year already, the emphasis on solution selling meals, the emphasis on having front of store displays that aren't just about look at my gorgeous. Now we're talking in March, right? St. Patrick's Day goodies, but you know, really using that front of store to remind folks where those easy meals are, even if it's raw, even if it's not from your deli. And I think we're seeing that in the fact that the frequency of some of these convenient good tasting, little indulgences. And again, especially that frequency in the meat department with smaller packages. Why not keep that sale in house versus lose it?
0: I want to give you one of my best life hacks ever, ladies. and it I do because everyone can win with this. When you bake a chicken or when you cook a chicken and you have some leftovers, You don't put those leftovers in the fridge until you have boned the entire chicken and all you're left with is the meat, because then it's so easy to do whatever you want to do with it, casseroles, enchiladas, tacos, anything at all, Um, chicken salad, which is one of my go-tos. So that, I just have to tell you that, because if you put it in the fridge, you are 80% less likely to go back in and do something with it.
1: I agree, yeah. It's, it's a lot much of- harder to then take the meat off. So um, yes, I uh, I, I sourced that job to my husband. I am I am uh, <laughs> I don't have the patience to do it. But yeah, <laughs> but I think it's also why we
2: do see you know it's funny one of the products that we do see that's gone really well and it's now at every store. So it's hard to say it's like an innovation, but almost every retailer now that carries a rotisserie or a baked item in their deli will also sell the second day that item deboned. And I think Costco kind of led the way on that for many years. And now we're seeing other retailers do it, but you're right. I mean, honestly, prepared fresh chicken, even in the meat department has done really, really well, saving one step, whether it's showing someone how to turn, you know, if a retailer really does want to move some value pack sized, um, hot price meats, again, we've talked about this for years in power of meat, right. Enri? but the idea of reminding people how to freeze it how to extend it, how many meals they can get out of it. Because we did the same thing over this past weekend. I had it's spring break here in Phoenix that I had um, my children's friends over and we bought two big packages of chicken breast. And I was kind of, you know, what? But then we baked them all. And now we've literally had chicken everything for the last (laughs) feeding four teenagers. Chicken everything works really well.
0: (laughs) You know, so one other topic that I wanted to get to that's similar is around um, pricing and promotions, because, you know, you mentioned, um, Anna Marie, that in the produce area, prices have kind of come down a little bit. You know, there's been some softening, but how much of that is attributed to price reductions and how much of that is just promotion and give us a little bit of an outlook, if you could.
1: It really depends on the department. Um, In some cases, we are seeing the supply chain issues resolving a little bit. Uh, Labor continues to be an issue in in several areas, Um, but we do see greater availability in many of the commodities out there. Um, We also see the ports clearing a little bit faster. So we simply have a little bit better availability. Now I say this, of course, amid a lot of the flooding that is happening in California. Um, So we'll have to see how that then affects uh, some of the fresh produce coming out of California in the next couple of weeks and months. Um, But it is absolutely a combination of when more is available, um, prices tend to come down. So that's one thing. Uh, the second thing is yes, we do see greater levels of promotions, uh, but also huge promotional creativity. Um, in the Power Meet, I had several slides just showing kinds of promotions I had never seen before. Like one retailer ran a stacking promotion, they called it, where the discount on the first package was 50 cents. If you bought two, it was a dollar fifty. If you bought three, it was two, those kinds of things. So the discount increased by how many you bought. We've seen one day sales, three day sales, happy hour sales. Um, A lot of retailers are not able to run traditional buy one, get one BOGO. So we've seen buy one, get one 40% off or buy the brand and get a big discount on a private brand. So retailers are doing whatever they need to do to still bring favorable pricing. So I do think In part, that is affecting the prices. And then we cannot forget that when you look at February 2023 versus February 2020, which was still pre-pandemic, the prices for food and beverages are up 30%. So at a certain point in time, it is logical that we are going to flatten out or perhaps decrease a little bit year on year. But Jana, to your point, uh, people have not forgotten those old prices um, because especially in fresh prices had not inflated for so many years. Like if you think about a pound of bananas, they've been fifty nine cents for how long and all of a sudden they start to jump. So there's just certain price points that people have in their heads that are now 30 percent higher. And, you know, it it just comes to show in areas like avocados that have flown up and down and up and down. And I actually saw a really, really interesting thing out of England where a retailer showed on shelf um, that the price of beef was down 36 percent versus the price per pound of ground beef in uh, November 2022. So they actually made the comparison on shelf because In the mind of the consumer, there's always a leg, right? You don't realize that the the prices have come down. So I think there's actually some real validity to pointing out in your flyer, on social, on shelf, that prices have come down for those areas that have.
2: And imagine the amount of foot traffic that would be captured by that. Because I do think there's a yin and yang to promotion as well. You know, one of the biggest trends that we've seen that I've talked about many, many a month now is the concept of price sensitivity. So how much volume moves when you change a price up or down, not only is changed from pre-pandemic in many fresh categories, it's changing over months. And that's now become a simple metric that we can add to databases. And yet I see very few suppliers and retailers looking at it. And I think it's the key because twofold, One, you know, I'm just looking again at the February release numbers. And again, in the month of February, traditional grocery, where high, low pricing and the role of the circular ad and sales are the most predominant in the supply, or I should say in the all outlet retail chains, um, it's down to 38.9% share of total all outlet for fresh. That is down from, you know, what it was in L52 at 39.5, we're down a whole share point. And again, the reason where it's favoring is places like Mass Supercenter and Club that have everyday low prices on everything. So mm-hmm. you in and you're not, I almost feel like the lack of sales and the up and down of sales feels like a roller coaster ride to consumers. So if you do have pricing that moderates as part of your strategy, how can you message to the consumer that this isn't a game? This will help you with the game, right? We'll put up a sign like that and say, did you know our meat prices are less than last year? Psychologically, which is at the end of the day, what promotion is, it's psychological. And therefore you could really, if you're going to still use those levers of high and low, understand what's going to have the impact. Because I know Anne-Marie, you and I worked on a study last year at a vegetable commodity and that we found no matter how much we analyze big data, that, frankly, you could promote that category all you want, and it wasn't going to have the major volume lift. And then I've yeah. worked with other products that have had major volume impact, more so than even pre-pandemic. We have to understand the levers before we pull it, and then we have to help the consumer in new ways.
1: You know, so here here comes an anemoryism, the leaky <laughs> bucket syndrome. What I mean with the leaky bucky syndrome is that we are entering a time period where we have to be very careful about our promotional strategies, because when you look at base and incremental, and Jonna, you can talk about that much better than I can, but what I'm seeing in many categories, let's say bacon, is that we see that the base business is down and incremental, and you know, pouring incremental dollars on base business being down is a dangerous game because you just continue to leak dollars at full retail and you substitute them with dollars where you are substituting in purchase that may have happened anyway. Now the may is very important here, may not, it may have happened. So understanding how far you need to discount, when you need to discount, where you need to discount, those are very important because when you're leaking base business, That is a dangerous game in the long run. And so I think looking deeper than just the overall unit volume dollars and really understanding base business, incremental business, what type of promotion moves the needle in a favorable way, that's what's important.
2: And it is, you know, to kind of wrap it all up, I mean, this is a podcast for Sarkana, all of those measures, all of that data is now so much, it's it's at our fingertips, the price points on it have come down. And yet I still, you know, when we get into center store and work with some of our largest manufacturers here at Circana, they've analyzed every retailer within an inch of its life. And I think their strategies bear it out at shelf. But in fresh, you know, we we kind of hit this stasis level, this plateau of where we're we're now pulling the category management dollars, volume, price. We're looking retailer by retailer. You know, we are looking item by item and brand by brand. But the variability in the strategy of base and incremental is essential to analysis. It's not extra. It's not what just the sophisticated do. I think price and sen- knowing the price sensitivity, the variability, and how much of your business is base versus incremental is, to me, the levers, to go back to levers, if if you're sitting here in any part of retailer supply, knowing those things is going to be the essential difference maker in the next three years.
0: That is awesome, ladies. Um, this has been always such a great conversation. And it's interesting how it really does change month to month. Um, so I'm glad that we do this on a regular cadence. And I just want to recap some of the things that we talked about today. And that is Anna Marie, you started out talking a little bit about 2023 as a three-legged stool, um, balancing affordability, permissibility, and favorability. And I think it was that favorability place that you are saying gets lost a little bit, you know, that you really have to um think about the love of the product and how you can't lose sight of that. Um, I wanted to call out especially that you saw a little bit of a bright light in some of the new promotions, some creativity around promotions that you're seeing. And that's so important right now because even if manufacturers want to kind of balance lowering prices with maybe more promotions so they don't have to necessarily lower prices, we are dealing with frustrated cash strapped consumers who are looking for anything they can to make things more affordable. Um, but you also cautioned a little bit to be cautious about promo strategies. And Jana, you laid it out pretty nicely in that you really need to know what the price sensitivity is, you know, what is your business base and what is incremental. And you have to be careful and go deeper, look at unit and volumes to see what is really going to move the needle. Um, Because you can make a lot of mistakes with pricing. um, If you're just looking at like one or the other. So with that, ladies, I want to thank you for your time. And we'll catch up again next month.
2: Absolutely. Have a great month, everyone.
0: Thank you for listening. Please become a subscriber and let us know what you want to learn more about. We'll serve it up in a future IRI Growth Insights episode. Look for us wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to review IRI Growth Insights. Also, visit us on the web at iriworldwide.com and connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn.